Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to Done and Done. I'm Alicia, your hostess on this podcast journey, all things Dominic Dunn, where nothing is linear and everything is connected. Thank you for joining me today as we continue our heiress tour, taking our trolley through time visiting Newport, Rhode Island. This week, we are investigating the casino and the trashy and incredible man behind it, Gordon Bennett. I say that with great aplomb as Gordon Bennett is an exclamation used across the pond in a way meaning astonishment or surprise. Maybe it substitutes in for a curse word. Who is Gordon Bennett and what is the casino in Newport and how does it all come together to get us to our Gilded Age heiresses and homes? Gordon Bennett, he is a whole heap of hot mess. Perhaps the Gordon Bennett term comes from Henry Gordon Bennett. He's a disgraced Australian general who deserted his troops. There's another Gordon Bennett from Pontefract. He is a biscuit maker with a penchant for bicycling around Hill and Dale in the town shouting his name, Gordon Bennett. For everyone to know that Gordon Bennett was around. This claim is a little dubious, but this Gordon Bennett probably made great biscuits. And I'm a fan of those, both Southern and British. Perhaps Gordon Bennett is a euphemism to stand in for the Lord's name. To lessen the offense of the cussing, you can see how that might develop. Gordon Bennett, it is a charming expletive. And the likeliest guy the term is given credit to is our Gordon Bennett today. This one, James Gordon Bennett Jr. And you could say he had his charms too. This Gordon Bennett story is key to Newport, Rhode Island and our coming Gilded Age world of heiresses. Again, Gordon Bennett, charming expletive and quite an interesting man. From warwickhistory.com, I do have this excerpt here about James Gordon Bennett Jr. James Gordon Bennett Jr. is described as a talented, flamboyant, often outrageously rude rogue, rascal, and pillar of society. He was a confirmed bachelor, notorious drinker, womanizer, and prankster. He spent from 30 to $40 million on whims, and openly admitted his love for women, alcohol, and racing. He is the man who sent Stanley to find Livingston, the one who brought yachting and coaching to a fine art in Newport, and the man who built the casino. Quite an introduction, right? In this episode, we are going to investigate a bit into the lifetimes and spiderwebs of Gordon Bennett, including his famous and infamous casino in Newport, where it all goes down. Let's investigate. 
In our last episode, we left Newport, Rhode Island as a developing seaside town, attracting visitors from the south with interest peaked in Newport by northern folk as well, with all kinds of hotels and resorts there. But a hundred years after the American Revolution, another kind of revolution is happening in Newport. It is now a building revolution. Bellevue Avenue has been laid out. There are a few homes that have been built branching out from the tip of Bellevue Avenue. But these are few and far between homes. We're going to begin to cover these homes and their buildings through time and the people associated with them next week. But today, Gordon Bennett, we have to get to this guy, his life, his legend, and his casino too. Because it really is the casino located from 186 to 202 Bellevue Avenue that is the entrance to this Gilded Age world. The casino lives at the very, very top of Bellevue Avenue in and around all of the hotels built within the mid-19th century. It begins here at the casino. The casino that Gordon Bennett builds is literally the entrance to the magic of the grandeur of Bellevue Avenue. The casino was built in 1879 on a dare, really, on a bet. The casino will open in 1880. But before we get there, let's introduce Gordon Bennett and get him to the casino in 1880 because, whoa, he's got 39 years of life before he makes it to that point. James Gordon Bennett Jr. was born on May the 10th, 1841, making him a Taurus. But more importantly here for Gordon Bennett, he is the only son of James Gordon Bennett Sr., who is the founder, editor, and publisher of the New York Herald. Gordon Bennett Sr., kind of a big deal. Gordon Bennett Jr., kind of a big deal too, but not only because of his father. R. James Gordon Bennett Jr. was educated in Europe. He's kind of a dandy. And the thing you want to know about Gordon Bennett, ours, is that he really loves to sail. When Gordon Bennett comes to the United States to stay and live, he's been in Europe for about the first 16 years of his life. He comes to the U.S. and Gordon Bennett sails in on a yacht that his father has built for him. This yacht is called the Rebecca It is only one of the yachts associated with Gordon Bennett. There are a lot of yachts in this story. But here at 16, Gordon Bennett will sail on in, creating a sensation. Again, dude really likes to sail. Gordon Bennett becomes the youngest member ever of the New York Yacht Club. And soon, it's on to another yacht, another boat, the Henrietta. So many boats. Gordon Bennett will soon enough become the youngest Commodore ever of the New York Yacht Club. I need to let you know, Gordon Bennett is really into boats. Again, from WarwickHistory.com, this excerpt about James Gordon Bennett Jr. I think sets him up pretty well. Bennett's money came from his father's brilliant business career, The elder Bennett had been a penniless printer in his early years, but was able to start the New York Herald. 
He carried the newspaper to great heights by using sensationalism in its most blatant forms and by using new methods to gather and report the news. Critics claim that Bennett Sr. spent so much time acquiring a fortune that he neglected to curb his son's wild escapades. Gordon Bennett Sr. was actually inspired by Benjamin Franklin's autobiography. Bennett Sr. is a Scottish immigrant who comes to the United States to change his fortunes, which finally happens for him around the age of 40. That is when he establishes the New York Herald, which becomes one of the most widely read newspapers in the U.S. Bennett Sr. breaks the news. It is in-depth and it is trashy. All the scoop. And the scoop goes in all directions from the front lines of the Civil War to murders of sex workers. This is sensational gossip. These headlines are early clickbait. Back to young Bennett here from Warwick History. Young Bennett was educated abroad and returned to the United States in 1866. This return is done on the yacht his father buys him. This is some real silver spoon stuff, friends. He was good friends with the wealthy Jerome brothers and with Frank Osgood and Pierre Lorillard. One of those Jerome brothers is Leonard Jerome, Jenny Jerome's father. It's too much. Everyone really is connected. On one occasion, when all the young men had too much to drink, Bennett challenged Osgood and Lorillard to race their yachts against his in a transatlantic race from Sandy Hook, New Jersey, to the Isle of Wight, England. He suggested they all captain their own yachts. Under the bravado of the alcohol, all agreed. When the time came to race, however, Osgood and Lorillard wisely turned their yachts over to professionals and stayed home. <laughs> Bennett insisted on leading the race and persuaded Charles Longfellow, this is Henry W. Longfellow's son, playwright Stephen Fisk, and Lawrence Jerome, all amateurs, to crew for him. Fortunately, he also procured the services of Bully Samuel, a very capable professional. Crossing the Atlantic proved to be much more difficult than imagined. The yachts ran into a very severe storm, which caused some anxious moments. Thanks in large part to Bully Samuel's excellent navigation around the Isle of Wight, the Henrietta, Bennett's schooner, won, decisively defeating the competing Fleet Wing and Vesta. Bennett's time was 13 days, 21 hours, and 55 minutes. The news of the race excited the sporting world in 1866, and the elder Bennett was so proud of his son's achievement that he made it front-page news. At the time of this episode, James Gordon Bennett Jr. was 25 years old. In that same year, his father made him managing editor of the New York Herald. Young Bennett, despite his erratic lifestyle and foibles, proved to be an excellent publisher and when his father died in 1872, he assumed the ownership of the Herald. 1866, friends, our first 
transatlantic boat race. Gordon Bennett, the guy who did it. By 1871, Gordon Bennett is sponsoring Stanley to find Livingston, as long as the New York Herald has exclusive coverage. Gordon Bennett loves exclusive coverage. He will do this in time, not only with excursions, but with sporting events too. Tennis, polo, horse racing. Gordon Bennett is the reason we assemble to watch those sporting events now. He started tennis tournaments, polo tournaments, horse racing. It's incredible, Gordon Bennett. I need to let you know that internationally, even by the 1860s, 1870s, Gordon Bennett is a household name. He sponsors the trip to find Livingston. Let me tell you, Stanley goes to find Livingston, but Livingston isn't really lost. He's just sort of gone underground. Don't let Stanley fool you that he maybe had a rough go of it. Stanley will have a crew of 111 people at its peak for this 700-mile-long excursion through Africa. Again, throughout his life, Gordon Bennett was very much interested in yachting. It is in 1870 he will race his new yacht, it's called the Dauntless, from Queenstown, Ireland to Sandy Hook, New Jersey, again facing the dangers of the Atlantic. In this race, severe weather hampered him, and he lost the race by about two hours. Gordon Bennett lives his life in the same dangerous fashion. When he brought his yacht into Newport Harbor in the 1870s, he brought along with it a flair for living and a lifestyle that would make Newport the playground of the rich. And does he? Before we get to his casino, let's take Gordon Bennett through the 1870s for just a few more stories. The thing you want to know, Gordon Bennett spends money. So much money. Like $40 million in his lifetime. Depending on which year you want to calculate that from, this $40 million, the sum, is assuredly over a billion and so many more in today's dollars. But it's not all selfish spending. It's not just all on boats. He has an altruistic streak, too. In the 1873 Panic of New York, Gordon Bennett opens a soup kitchen. Helpfully, Delmonico's, the infamous restaurant we've talked about so much, provides sandwiches for the needy. You would think a guy like Gordon Bennett would have all the ladies. <laughs> sure enough, Gordon Bennett does get engaged in 1876. He'd be about 35 years old now. Perhaps Gordon thinks it's time to settle down. So is wild oats and all that stuff. But y'all, this story is where the trouble begins. I want to take you to New Year's Eve, 1876. And here, Gordon Bennett is going to announce his pending marriage to Caroline May. Beautiful girl, beautiful family. All things look promising. Caroline May's trousseau has arrived. It's written up in the paper. The half a million dollars, in today's dollars, of her clothing and accoutrements for the bride upon her upcoming marriage, only the very best. Gordon and Caroline are engaged. Everyone is so thrilled. There is to be a holiday party. 
with all of Caroline's family there to celebrate the good news. Gordon Bennett at this party apparently turns into God's own drunk and will decide to drop trowel and relieve his angry bladder. Accounts vary as to where the (laughs) relieving went, but according to stories, Gordon Bennett will either urinate into the fireplace or into the piano. Either way, it's undignified, and of course, Caroline's family is utterly horrified. Immediately, the plans for the wedding are off. No wonder. Caroline's brother, his name is Frederick, he's not having it. Frederick decides that he must defend his sister's honor, and Frederick will confront Gordon Bennett publicly within New York City and whip him. Then Frederick May decides that even that's not enough and will challenge Gordon Bennett to a duel. These two, Frederick May and Gordon Bennett, are two of New York City's uh, most important men. It is socialite city here, so sure, pull out your guns. Here's the thing, though. New York society has frowned upon dueling for a very long time. Dueling hasn't been kind of on anybody's top list since 1804. Think Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton. By this point, it's 1877. Dueling is old school. So, Frederick and Gordon make a deal. These two are going to meet in Marydale, outside of the state. Marydale, M-A-R-Y-D-E-L, is a place you can get to by train, but the location's a little vague. Maybe it's in Maryland, maybe it's in Delaware, maybe it's in Virginia. In any case, Marydale is the location. The duel happens, each walks 12 paces and all of that. Both turn to shoot, both men miss each other, likely on purpose, but the point is they both showed up. Honor had been restored. (laughs) Gordon and Frederick go off to have a drink together, and Gordon Bennett will write this up in his papers as pure scandal. Gordon Bennett, not really having a whole lot of luck with the American ladies, leaves for France soon after this to try his hand on the European marriage market. This Caroline May scandal doesn't do too well for his already growing scandalous reputation. Here's the thing, though. Gordon Bennett remains a bachelor for another four decades. Whatever luck he has with the ladies does not translate into a marital bond for a very long time. Let's go ahead and talk about a few more of Gordon Bennett's antics. In 1878, Gordon Bennett, again, he's a real sporting kind of chap. He wants to bring polo to the United States. He loves polo. He thinks it's fantastic, but he thinks the United States players are utterly terrible. So Gordon Bennett is going to bring the entire polo team from Britain to teach the United States how to play polo. The following year, 1879, is really where the idea for the casino happens. Holy cats, Gordon Bennett, 1879, has this friend named Augustus Candy. (laughs) Augustus Candy is more familiarly known as Sugar. You can't make it up. Sugar Candy. Anyway, it is in 1879 that Sugar Candy bets Gordon Bennett that Gordon would not ride his horse into the reading room. 
What's the reading room? In 1879, the reading room is the most exclusive club in Newport, Rhode Island. Have you met Gordon Bennett? Of course he's going to take the bet. Of course he's going (laughs) to ride his horse into the middle of the reading room. And in so doing, Gordon Bennett is now banned for life from the exclusive club. In a move that we will see again and again, Gordon Bennett's like, hey, no worries. I'll just buy the estate across the street and open my own club. And welcome to the casino in Newport, Rhode Island. The first thing that Gordon Bennett does, he's going to call up his friend Stanford White, who we covered on Done and Done back in episode 27. Stanford White at this time is working over at Mead McKimmon White, the big architecture firm, and here... Stanford White on the casino will combine the shingle style with elements shown from the Japanese pavilion at the 1876 Centennial Exposition. The casino is designed with early American and fanciful elements. This is going to become known as the shingle style. The shingle style is going to become a big deal in Newport, McKim, Mead, and White make a lot of money from the shingle style. The casino sets it on the map. And the casino, when it opens in 1880, is an enormous deal for a number of reasons. The casino is not just a gentleman's club, like a lot of other places have been. At the casino, men and women are both permitted. Remember, people are still flocking to vacation within the hotels and resorts. The casino offers every bit of amusement you could ever want on your vacation. The casino offers amusement. In 1880, building is really about to boom in Newport. And once it does, the folks who were building homes begin to do more private entertaining inside the homes. But now, those people have a little bit of a challenge. Where do we go to see and be seen? We go to the casino. The casino really weaves in a number of different people throughout the coming decades. What happens at the casino? Everything, really. Public concerts and horse shows. Lawn tennis. There's a ballroom. There are billiards and card games, too. You can do just about anything you want at the casino. Gordon Bennett, again, brings in the very first matches for tennis, where people come to watch. It's the beginning of tennis. It's the beginning of polo as well. Gordon Bennett is the one making the first matches here in the U.S. The casino has everything and will remain at the epicenter of the social scene in Newport, at least the social scene outside of private homes for many decades. Now that we've made it to the casino, let's take a quick break here. We're going to be back in a moment with the further adventures of Gordon Bennett. It is fair to say that Gordon Bennett is one unconventional man. Gordon Bennett loves a few things. He has a few fandoms. Gordon loves owls and Pekingese dogs. He collects both. Let's talk about the owls first. 
Gordon Bennett writes often of owl conservation, and when Gordon Bennett builds the new Herald Building, he will add 26 owl sculptures along the roof. As for the dogs, Gordon Bennett really trusts his Pekingese dogs to sniff out people, literally. And I don't disagree. Dogs normally have a pretty good sense of what people are like, but what Gordon Bennett does if he's interviewing you for a job, he brings in his Pekingese dogs, and if the dogs like you, you get the job. If the dogs don't like you, out of luck, buddy. Sorry about that. Because this penchant becomes very well known, one applicant even goes so far to put veal inside the lining of his clothes in order to get the gig. Gordon Bennett doesn't just like boats, y'all. He really likes to drive carriages, which is not any kind of weird, unusual thing for a Gilded Age gentleman. But the thing is with Gordon Bennett, he likes to drive these carriages at night, mostly intoxicated, and a lot of the times without any clothes on. On one of these rides, hopefully with clothes, Gordon Bennett is driving his good friend Leonard Jerome around with his young, precious daughter, Jenny. Jenny Jerome we have covered on Done and Done back on episode 81. This particular night, Gordon Bennett driving Leonard and his precious, precious daughter around, there's a terrible accident because Gordon's driving way too fast. Luckily, no injuries came from this. As we know, Jenny Jerome goes on to live an incredible life. One of her claims to fame, Jenny Jerome is the mother of Winston Churchill. After the casino, I'm not going to say that Gordon Bennett didn't have a life without contributions. In 1883, Gordon Bennett will help found a company which lays the first non-Western Union telegraph cable. This allows Europe and the United States to be linked with communication. It also breaks the monopoly of Western Union at the same time. Ever since the disastrous relationship with Caroline May, Gordon Bennett has been in Paris. He is running the European branch of the Herald from Europe, overseeing what's happening within the New York business as well. He'll take trips back and forth across the Atlantic, really having a marvelous time. Being a legend overseas, just like he was in the United States. In Paris, Gordon Bennett is known to smash up restaurants, just uh, obliterate them. But Gordon Bennett, he's a real gentleman. He'll always pay for the damage. Gordon Bennett, We'll tip a train porter one time, $14,000. Old Gordon will be refused service in Monte Carlo once at a restaurant. Not because of anything Gordon Bennett had done. It was just the restaurant was full. No room at the inn, right? And Gordon Bennett will go and buy the restaurant <laughs> to ensure that there was always a table available for him. Gordon Bennett will also burn a wad of thousands and thousands of francs because it was too uncomfortable in his pocket. Just too much to carry around, so Gordon Bennett just throws it in the fire. Gordon is known to be very generous to causes and charities, so it's not like 
He doesn't do some tremendous good with all of his money, but it really is no wonder to figure out how he spent $40 million in his lifetime. One of Gordon's biggest expenditures, remember he really likes boats, so Gordon is going to build his greatest boat yet. This is called the Lysistrata. The Lysistrata is completed in 1900, and after this, Gordon Bennett is going to leave Paris, leave the U.S., and pretty much just live full-time on this boat. And when I say boat, (laughs) the Henrietta, the Dauntless, all forgotten on this yacht, the Lysistrata. Gordon Bennett has built full-on Turkish baths that also employs a full-time masseur. One of the most interesting rooms, I think, on this yacht, there's a very special room made, special fittings, and a luxury space made for a cow. That cow is brought on board and stays, lives on the boat all the time in order to supply milk for the dairy, the milk, the butter for the voyages that would last however long Gordon Bennett felt like being on those voyages. The Lysistrata cost $600,000. It was a 214-foot yacht. By all accounts, it was pretty spectacular. The Lysistrata sold in May of 1918. Who did it go to? The Russian Navy. The Lysistrata with the Russian Navy served as a gunboat and fishery protection vessel for a lot of years, at least as late as 1966, where the Lysistrata was listed in Jane's fighting ships. The figurehead on Gordon Bennett's most beautiful yacht accomplishment is, of course, an owl. The Lysistrata carries eight boats along with it. (laughs) This guy's just really astonishing. I want to tell you one other thing about this that causes a little bit of an international scandal. On the Lysistrata, there is also a car on board. Because wherever Gordon might go, he might need an automobile to get around wherever he is. But this particular car on board causes quite a bit of a stir in 1906 on the Isle of Bermuda, getting no less than Mark Twain involved in all of these Gordon Bennett antics. I'm going to follow up on this whole story on Not Done Yet for Patreon. It'll be out right after this episode. But let me give you the highlights. Gordon Bennett lands the Lysistrata on Bermuda. Mark Twain gets so mad about it, along with many, many, many other folks, that an automobile has spoiled our beautiful Bermuda, that by 1910, any automobile on Bermuda is banned. There are no cars allowed anywhere on Bermuda until 30 years later, when that legislation is overturned, Helpfully, for by that time in the 40s, the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, the abdicated King Edward VIII, and and Duchess Wallace Simpson. Gordon Bennett, legendary. He is known worldwide. Patreon folks, stay tuned for that. It really is kind of an interesting story. Gordon Bennett will finally get married, (laughs) but not until really, really late in his life. Gordon will eventually marry Maud Potter. Maud Potter is the widow of the son of the founder of the Reuters News Agency. 
At this point, we're really lining up businesses. Gordon and Maude will remain married until Gordon Bennett's death on May 14th, 1918. Gordon Bennett. (laughs) What a person, what a life, what a legacy. Now, when you say that term, or if you hear that term, you have a little bit more background into his roller coaster of a life and his influence on the Newport scene. Oh, this journey we're on. Investigators, when we come back, we are going to be moving along to the Gilded Age playground of Newport. We're going to be strolling down Bellevue Avenue, looking at the homes, the heiresses, and the connections between it all. We're also going to be setting up a few mysteries to explore as well. Oh, what a delightful ride this is. Thank you so much for joining me today in our Dominic Dunn playground. If you were looking to add more to your Dunn and Dunn investigation, patreon.com slash Dunn is the place to go where you can get not done yet episodes, early and ad-free episodes as well. Thanks to all again for listening, for telling your friends and your fellow podcast enthusiasts. For your kind reviews, for your emails, for your support on Patreon, I'm so grateful for you being here on this journey with me. Wishing you the most delightful week and until we meet again, stay curious and keep on investigating. Thanks for listening to the Done and Done podcast, a Hemlock Creatives production. You can email us at doneanddone at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at doneanddonepodcast. For further information about our episodes or sources, you can find us online at www.doneanddone.com. See you next week, friends.